relief factor, pain relief that's natural, pain relief that works, and pain relief that attacks the source of the pain. That's the experience of tens of thousands of Americans who are taking Relief Factor right now. See their incredible video endorsements at relieffactor.com and then order your three-week quick starter pack for just $19.95. That's less than a dollar a day. Find out if it can work for you like it works for me by ordering your three-week quick starter pack today. Relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com. Be the next success story. When you're a little boy and you're thinking of future careers, if you don't want to be an astronaut, oh, welcome. This is the Manhood Hour. I am your host, Sebastian Walker, where we explore the delights of toxic masculinity and celebrate those who have built Western civilization. When you're thinking about what you want to be when you grow up, do you want to be a fighter pilot, an astronaut? Do you want to be a G-man? Do you want to be a SEAL? Or do you want to be a Sky Marshal? What if you get to do three of these? I mean, that's just nuts. No boy gets to do that, do they? Well, maybe they do. If they're our next guest for the Manhood Hour, we're delighted to have him with us. Jonathan Gillum, my friend, welcome to America First, the Manhood Hour. I just feel like I should have, show my profile for some strange reason. I don't know. I don't know what that's all. But that music playing. Isn't that good? I like don't you that. love that music? As long as you don't do this. Okay, can I, can I give a lesson to anybody who's doing a headshot? If the photographer says, rest your hand, your head on your hands, don't do it. You look really weak and pathetic. You can do this. You can do the Rodin, the thinker. But don't do the, you know, the head on the chin thing. It does not look good. And I don't think you can because your beard is carved out of granite. You couldn't even put that's your right. hand. And on your chin, could you? Even well, even worse than that is the old glamour shots where they do this right here. Like, who does this? You no, know, who puts oh, their hands? Oh, up? yeah, who does this? No, it's silly. <laughs> Nobody puts that both of their fists under their face. All right, dude, uh, we're gonna have so much fun today. We're already having fun. Uh, first things first. For those who have been living under a rock while you've been doing what you do, tell them how Jonathan Gillum exists. And how he gets to be a sky marshal, an FBI agent, and a SEAL. And at the end of that discussion, tell me which one is the coolest. Well, so I grew up in, in, in Arkansas in the middle of nowhere. And we had pump water and outhouse. And uh, my father was out of the picture very early. So my mom was always my rock. And she uh, kind of raised me to believe that I can do anything that I want to do. Which is, uh, you know, I always say that... If you uh, if you teach a young person to be a disciplined person, they will grow up and be a disciplined adult. And so she constantly instilled in me that I had the ability to do whatever I dreamed about doing. So as I got older, you know, I first I wanted, of course, like every other kid, I wanted to be a baseball pitcher, and uh, you know, we pick these things that we see on TV that are that are cool. And then I ended up getting into um, running and weightlifting because I was I was a little guy, believe it or not, and so when I graduated high school and I went to California, uh, I met a SEAL, and uh, I was going to college out there, paying my own way through school, going to junior college, and then and eventually graduated. At that, that point, you, it's not about playing ball. You're in college. What were you? What you thinking would be your future before you met this SEAL? Well, I was majoring in religions and philosophy. So at that point, I knew. Uh, that I wanted to go in the military. I'd seen Top Gun. I, I thought, you know, I want to be a pilot at this point and then go into federal law enforcement. And I kind of had this calling of what I wanted to do. Um, but when I met this SEAL and he told me, he's a real spiritual guy, he told me about what he was doing. So because I was majoring in philosophy and uh, in religions at the time, I, I sat down and, and prayed about it and talked to God. And I said, I want you to lead me into your calling. Where do you want me to go? So uh, I think that was a huge part of it. I sat down and I took a piece of paper and I wrote now or present. And at the end of that paper, I wrote death. And then I said, how old are you? At this point, I'm like 22, I think. 
This makes me think of when Harry met Sally and uh, when, when he says, uh, I'm so dark I read the last chapter of every new book first, <laughs> just in case I die before I finish it. So you're 22, you get on a piece of paper and you write now on the left and then dead on the right and you're trying That's to right. map out your life. What did you write on that piece of paper, Jonathan? Well, I said, I asked the Lord, I said, you, you show me where you want me to go and, and I just wrote down all the things that were coming to me. So I wanted to be a cop. Or I wanted to graduate college. Let me back up there. I wanted to be a springboard diver. That was one thing I really definitely hang wanted on, to hang learn. On. That, how to that do. came out of left field. We, we, we went from yeah. baseball to <laughs> military, and then where does the springboard diver come? Well, I grew up in Arkansas and jumping uh, <laughs> off of bluffs in the water, and I was always a diver. So I wanted. To, I, I felt like I was good enough to compete, even though these people, you know, that compete are really young, uh, and they learn from a young age. So I wrote that down. Uh, graduate college be a police officer, uh, become a Navy SEAL, go to Ranger school while I'm in SEAL in the SEAL teams. Cause I'd read that you could do that and then get out and go into federal law enforcement. And, uh, then eventually, uh, go take all that experience and go into, uh, DC Senator. And, uh, wow. so that, that was I actually had president written on there at first. I you know, had a lot of high hopes. And so I wrote president and then I changed that to Senator I felt like all those things were things that I needed that I was being called to do for a reason, one reason or another. And that, uh, and that led me up pretty much to death. So, um, which I now, I now know why Senator president was last because, uh, you know, that's, that is, you're pretty much dead. Yeah, you, you, to you have to be 80 years old, right? That's why <laughs> that, 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 yeah, that, so, kind, that kind of thing. I've never heard that kind of pre-planning before, except for one thing I did when I was a kid. And I've got to share it now because I don't think I've ever done it to our radio listeners. When I was a little boy and my parents were working, my dad was working, my mom was working. I got looked after by relatives and, and, and widows, fr- friends of the family. And I, I saw all these older women who had had their partners die their husbands die and I looked at that and I thought how old was um you know Aunt Claire's husband oh he was 10 years older than her and he left her alone and that's so sad you know what I did Jonathan I was about eight years old and I said this is wrong to leave women alone uh and as an older guy to marry a younger woman which is so common my my dad was nine years older than my my mother I said, I'm going to marry somebody who's 10 years older than me. It's like at age eight, so that we die at the same time. I said that to myself. Now, I don't want anybody to tell my wife that I'm saying this publicly in front of three million people. <laughs> my wife is 10 years older than me. So that's the only thing I planned, like you did. But right. I want us to leave this earth at about the same time. But I'm impressed that you had all your careers on a line. All right, so you're there. You've written it down. Police, SEALs, Rangers, Senate, uh, President maybe. What happened next? Those things started to manifest itself. I, I really do believe that once you write something down, it becomes it helps. reality. Yeah. Well, it becomes you can think it and dream it, but when pencil or pen touches paper, yeah. now it's a physical, tangible thing. And so I set out uh, very ruthlessly to to achieve those things. I I literally went to uh, a the coach of the junior college Grossmont Junior College. Uh, in San Diego, I went to the coach there and said, I want to be a springboard diver. He said, are you any good? I said, I did a few dives. He goes, well, you got some talent, but you, you're not that good. So I said, all right, I'll, I'll go get a coach. So I went and paid for a coach to train me wow. and uh, came back there the next semester and competed and uh, didn't win anything, but uh, was a really uh, incredible experience because it's a very aggravating and disciplined sport. But I learned and I did it. So that was the first jump in. And then I went back to Arkansas graduated college and got on with the police department, uh, making $15,800 a year. <laughs> so at Camp Robinson police department. So, and, um, so, and so, so you remember your first paycheck? Oh, it was, yeah, there's hardly anything there. So I, uh, had applied, I already had my ducks in a row and I had applied, uh, to the Navy and there, the seals were not the same as it is now. So it was a lot different in how you get in there. But I also applied because uh, I knew when I talked to this guy, this SEAL in, in San Diego, he had said, you know, apply for everything and then you can work your way over there if you have to. So I applied uh, for pilot slot in the Navy, pilot slot in the Marine Corps and for a SEAL slot. And I got turned down by all of them uh, the first year. 
And then, because uh, my grades just on the test just wasn't high enough. So I studied hard, uh, came back, and uh, got turned down again. And SEAL, I just didn't have the PT scores. And I didn't know, because we didn't have a recruiter that was specific for that like they do now. So I got in touch with, um, through all these channels, uh, a detailer for uh, the SEALs, and he told me what I needed. All right, I, I, so, I want to I stop there. I want to know what yeah. the detailer told you. We are doing the manhood hour with our buddy, Jonathan Gillum. He had a plan for life, and man, did he execute it. Follow him right now, J Gilliam, Gilliam underscore SEAL. I'm Sebastian Gorka. If you enjoy our deep dives, make sure you are subscribed. Go right now to your favorite podcast platform. Go to Spotify, go to Apple Podcasts. Plug in my name, Sebastian Walker, America First. You'll never miss any of our manhood hours or any of our deep dives. Leave us a five-star review and share the links with your friends because that's how the truth gets out there and that's how we take back our republic and our civilization and do it today. tried once you didn't get in you meet somebody from the seals what advice does he give you you have to work on your pt score so was it a a grueling year of training what did you do jonathan i i had to learn or i had to be able to do 100 push-ups in two minutes 100 sit-ups in two minutes 18 pull-ups uh minimum uh run a, a mile and a half in boots and pants uh, running at least six minute miles and then, uh, do a 500 meter swim, uh, in under, I think it was under nine minutes, I believe is what that was. So I trained and trained. I got a, I, I went and uh, found somebody who, uh, was on the swim team and asked him to help, help me perfect my stroke. Uh, I changed my workout up. I started getting up early in the morning and this, this is, you know, I think outside the box, Sebastian. So, I wanted to run faster. So I went, I, I used to run all these races and there was one girl that went to the college that I went to. She was strikingly beautiful, but she was also faster than me. So I went up to her, asked her, I said, would you want to run with me? And, uh, cause I'm training for this. And she's like, yeah, but I run every morning at five 30 in the morning. So I was like, okay, if there's one thing that's going to get me up and get me running, it's an extremely beautiful girl who runs faster than me. So every day I get up and we run six to eight miles and she every, was a ballistically fast runner. Every day, six to eight every, miles? Six to eight miles, and then two times of the week, and we wouldn't run distance, we'd do speed work. Wow. And then on Sundays, I would just do a fun uh, a fun run, just slow and, and take it easy. So she was, uh, it was incredible training with her. I think maybe the SEALs need to actually incorporate that, where they take a supermodel, have her run in <laughs> front let, of Let's just, they, just give us her first name so we can salute her. What was I this? don't even remember. I don't what? even remember her name. You can't remember, remember this beautiful name. lady's name who got you into the SEAL teams? <laughs> I do not remember her name. You just broke I, a heart. You just broke a beautiful woman's heart when she hears I know. This. I need to find her someday and thank her because she's really <laughs> – I, I, can, I can tell her that my, my running is because of her, I, my ability to run. All so. right, so did you get in? Is that how you got into Buds? What happened next? So I – I finally got to where my scores were good enough. Um, I went there, did the PT test, and uh, submitted my application to the detailer at the Pentagon. Um, and because, again, we didn't have a recruiter that I could trust to do that. So I literally drove to D.C. and gave my, my entire packet to him. And uh, he said, unfortunately, they had already picked all the, the slots for that year. But I could come back a year later, and uh, and he would he would really super consider my my application. So I could hear guys laughing in the background because I was talking to him on the phone, and and uh, I said, okay, I'll be back a year to the day, and I was, and my scores were even better. And uh, he said, okay, you're you're good, you're good to go. And within uh, six weeks, I was in officer candidate school. All right. So how long did you serve with the SEAL teams with the Frogmen? I was there. I was at SEAL Team 4 my entire career, and so I was a total of five years in the Navy. Okay, and then what happened next, and why did you move on? Was it part, was it part of that piece of paper you'd written down? Well, it, it was. I mean, I wanted to stay in uh, longer, but see, I didn't go in until I was 27. I went through Ranger School at 30. 
So I was a lot older, and I could see this window closing for uh, the federal uh, for law federal law enforcement. Right, because it, what it's like thirty two or something for the for the FBI. Yeah, it's I think it's thirty five. So I was thirty three at that point, and I think I was thirty three, somewhere around there. But the the problem was, Sebastian, if I re upped, it was going to take me over that that timeline. Right, right. So I had to make a critical decision: was I going to follow the timeline? Or am I just going to stay in the Navy? And it, I really had this calling, uh, and the air marshal program opened wide up. We were not being used at that time because 9-11 had happened, but only certain groups were being used. And we, I'd been sitting there for six months doing nothing. Well, hang on, hang so on. Was, I said, was this at SEALs or for, for marshals? For the SEALs. So, yeah, you, you were down tempo. 9-11 hadn't happened. Yeah. You see an opportunity for a, for a federal law enforcement officer, air marshals, and then that's your next right. station? That's where I jumped. Within two weeks of leaving the SEAL teams, I jumped in the air marshals. And we have to go through their uh, academy, which was pretty easy. And then uh, from there, I was flying undercover on planes for a year. And now, uh, then, for those who aren't familiar, what before nine eleven, what routes were those? Were those all international? Was it Middle Eastern? How did they choose where to send you? Well, before nine eleven, there was only uh, there was less than a hundred air marshals. Right. Put you that way. Uh, when I got in there, there were thousands, and uh, they were bringing them in left and right, as many as they could get in, and and basically they choose the planes uh, based on a certain set of. Um, statistics and uh aspects about the plane the specific plane and where they're going and that's basically all i can say about that so they put people on where they think that that the planes are big enough and uh most likely to be used and so that's how they pick us and we're we're undercover on the plane nobody knows that we're on there except our partner and uh the crew force and so we're there and and uh, if anything occurs i have to say i'm gonna right now right now i'm gonna say thank you to the air marshals I'm going to salute. Uh, why? Because my wife was traveling alone with our children transatlantically, and one guy was being very strange, very suspicious. Um, she was watching him. She had, you know, tactical awareness, and up came a large individual and said, don't worry, ma'am, we're going to watch him. You don't have to worry about the thing. He was an air marshal, and within an hour, after things got a little bit even hairier, uh, that man was... Um, zip tied to the seat and he was neutralized that's all i'm going to say so the air marshals are real guys they're out there and they're protecting people like my family so god bless the marshals yeah and it goes from zero to 100 just like that like what what else where is he going to go i mean once something escalates on a plane uh and it shows that it's a potential threat to the cockpit that's really where that you know is if two people are arguing uh they're not going to get involved in that but if it shows like it might be a potential threat that could move towards the cockpit, it, that's where it'll get stuck. Well, and this and, this person, I don't think you know there was any intel on him taking on the cockpit. But this person had had serious mental issues, and he needed to be neutralized, and he was neutralized yeah. before he had to did anything dangerous to the fellow passengers. All right, so where where does the FBI come along? What what what's that decision point? So I did. I went into contracting with other SEALs. I left the Air Marshals after a while and, and went into uh, contracting. Was doing all over the United States doing threat assessments for Homeland Security through a company that was uh, incredible company. And uh, and then I applied to the FBI. I said, "This okay. This is it. I've been here doing this for three years, and this is where I, my career is taking me." And I got in uh, pretty quick. Uh, a little secret is when. Uh, when I took the test for the FBI, somebody came up to me and said, listen, when you take that written test, remember, it's written by liberals. So don't think. <laughs> hang on. Like hang on. Even, even then? What, what even year are then, we talking about? Uh, that was 2005. Oh, my gosh. 2005. That's insane. All right. You're going to tell us next what that meant, what that piece of advice meant to you. But let's talk about, let's put his books up on the screen, Sheep No More. You've got to get it right now, The Art of Awareness and Attack Survival, forward by some guy called Sean Hannity. Get it right now, Sheep No More. We're talking to my buddy, Jonathan Gillum. He is... Um, former SEAL, former Air Marshal, former G-Man. If you enjoy our show, make sure you're following us as well on all 
social media. We are everywhere that matters. Follow us on True Social, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Parler, Ghetto, Cloud Hub. We're on, uh, you can watch us. We're a TV show. Yeah, it's true. SalemNewsChannel.com, also on your Roku, on your various devices. And my Substack, check it out, the latest article on the truth about Ukraine, SebastianGorka.Substack.com. That's SebastianGorka, one word, .Substack.com. Just when you thought it couldn't get any better, Mike Lindell with MyPillow is launching the MyPillow 2.0. When Mike invented the MyPillow, it had everything you could ever want in a pillow. Nearly 20 years later, he discovered a new technology that makes it even better. MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow, and now with a brand new fabric that is made with a temperature-regulating thread, the MyPillow 2.0 is the softest and coolest pillow you'll ever own for my exclusive listeners that my pillow 2.0 has a buy one get one free offer with promo code gorka my pillow 2.0 temperature regulating technology is 100 made in the usa and comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee just go to mypillow.com click on the radio list of square for the buy one get one free offer enter promo code gorka or call 800-829-8468 that's code g-o-r-k-a goat today. If you enjoy America First, please support those who make it possible. Get great, great patriots like Mike Lindell. Uh, Mike is under the gun. The FBI, sadly, are tag- targeting him. Now the woke people like Walmart have even banned his products. Let's have his back today. He sold 71 million of the original MyPillow. He's just launched the new version. Check it out. You've got some BOGO offers. Use my name for up to 66% off MyPillow.com. Promo code GORKA. You can call 800-829-8468-MyPillow.com or just call 800-829-8468-Promo code G-O-R-K-A. All right, we've got to start asking you questions about manhood sooner or later. We've got about 20 minutes left. We can do it. But but lastly, uh, the FBI is the last station we want to talk about so what did it mean when somebody said to you the test to join the bureau is lit- written by liberals how did that affect your answers well he said it was written by uh, lib- liberal academics to remember that it's not written by seals or cops Operators. It's by academic right right so my questions or my answers had to be formulated in the way that uh, that they would think about what's the proper way of, of doing this arrest or w- at what point do you cut off a surveillance. And um, so what I did was I just I did not think all the way because as a SEAL, uh, we, we would go all the way. I mean, if we had a target, we were going to go all the way to get mission success. Right. And that is just not the way the left thinks. They they do not think when and I think the Biden administration, all these different groups uh, that you see, especially in education, they think uh, differently than we do when they think about mission success. So, um, you know, I just kept that in the back of my mind. If there was something that looked like it, it could be. Uh, questionable where the answer could be a little bit more leftist than what I am. I would answer it that way, and I, I passed it. So, uh, and then I get tell in. us, tell us where did you work? Was it CTD? Was it counterterrorism? Was it crim? What did you do? I went into Asian organized crime for four years, and uh, which is the busiest squad in in the New York office. We did arrest and street work constantly. Uh, I was there. I went to another squad that uh, I, that's kind of. I'm not going to go into that one. And then we, I did surveillance for a year, and uh, and then I went over to uh, counterterrorism, where I ran the special events uh, for all of New York. So any major event, uh, incident, uh, I would do operations orders and threat assessments of these these events, and then liaison with the police and whatever private sector groups would be involved with it. And then I was the on-scene coordinator uh, whenever we'd have something like the uh, Times Square or the United Nations General Assembly. All right. So he has just demonstrated his bona fides for manhood, for masculinity, SEALs, air marshals, FBI. Let's get down to work. Uh, The manhood as we know it, the Western ideal is under assault. 
Uh, it has been under assault for a long time. Right now, if you did a threat assessment of the battlefield, Jonathan, what is the center of gravity? What is the most dangerous, pernicious source of what we are witnessing? Well, the, the left is all those things, and it is coordinated, and it has a, just like I had that plan that I wrote out for my life, they have a, a plan that they are uh, putting into effect, and this plan has been going on for I mean, I don't actually know, at least 80 years, yeah. and probably way before that. And the reality is that they they have a structure, they have uh, a rank structure, they have operators on the ground, they have money flowing, and it's organized. And I think when you look at that, and then you look at how everything that they, that they work towards, it, it actually works towards the same thing. It doesn't matter if it's Planned Parenthood or if it's a congressman or if it's a president, or if it's uh, somebody that lives and is going to college in Austin. They all have the same focus and the same structure in how they're getting there. So somewhere along the way, they were able to get this playbook and start working this playbook to a point where they went directly to the things that affect humankind the most. Shiny things, uh, music, uh, influence, all these different things they incorporated, and then they they did the long plan. They went straight to the young people and started incorporating um, demasculinity. Uh, they call themselves feminists, but the last thing they want is for women to be feminists, yes. feminists, or fe- uh, to have any femininity. And they brought the human structure into a, a mono, uh, basically masculizing men, uh, women and demasculizing uh, men to they brought them to this point where uh, they are completely confused as to who they are, and right. now they've where, got them. Where, where gender means nothing, where truth means nothing, and where the right. people they want to confuse are confused. We're talking to Jonathan Gillum, author of Sheep No More. Follow him at jgilliam underscore seal. You're listening to The Manhood Hour with me, Sebastian Gorka, coming to you from the relieffactor.com studios. If you're in daily pain, if you've tried everything else and failed to find relief, do what I did more than four years ago. Order the three-week quick starter pack at relieffactor.com. Just listen to people like Reggie from Florida and his experience. I have a lot of pain from aging, and after only four days of using Relief Factor, I'm already experiencing less pain and stiffness. Can't wait to see how I feel in a couple more weeks. Relief Factor is a blessing sent by God. Powerful words. Find out for yourself. It's super easy. Take it every morning and evening like I do, and I promise you, Dr. G's guarantee, by the end of those three weeks, you will know whether it works for you. Like it works for me, Reggie, and 500,000 of your fellow Americans. You deserve to find out if you could be the next success story. Honestly, what have you got to lose? Nothing. Correct? Call right now. 800-500-8384. ReliefFactor.com. You owe it to yourself to find out. Don't wait another day. Call right now. 800-500-8384. ReliefFactor.com. That number again. 800-500-8384. ReliefFactor.com. ReliefFactor.com. This is a red alert for hardworking Americans who are tired of seeing their freedoms and savings threatened by the globalist agenda. Wealth Protection Research is on a mission to find whistleblowers who are exposing the schemes that threaten your financial security. We're talking about real patriotic financial warriors like Jim Rickards and Porter Stansberry. They're not afraid to tell it like it is, exposing how the system is rigged against you. Text IDEAS to 76626 to find out more. With the 2024 election story, Storming our way, your IRA and your 401k appear to be in the crosshairs. That's why we've compiled our three favorite ideas from Freethinkers. Don't wait for a knock on your door telling you it's too late. Get this critical report. Text IDEAS to 76626. The fight for your financial freedom is on. Text IDEAS to 76626 now for your free report. That's IDEAS to 76626. Standard text and data rates may apply. Uh, Give us your definition, Jonathan, of what it means to be a real man. What are the non-negotiable attributes? 
Well, I went from uh, philosophy and religions into psychology and political science. That was what my majors ended up being. And so uh, having been around the SEAL teams and been a SEAL and seen where uh, a man will look inside his soul and make a decision on whether or not they're going to go forward uh, with this uh, soul-crushing training, I'll tell you, uh, Sebastian, being a man has less to do with how strong you are um, and uh, really, at that point, how smart you are, how intelligent you are. And it has a tremendous amount to do with how willing you are. And if you are willing to follow God's direction, uh, you will walk into a room and you will command that room. And being a man, uh, all the, the people that I've met in my life that, uh, that I can say are truly men are individuals who will walk into a room and they're there for a purpose. They're there for a reason. And uh, people will gravitate towards them because they don't play the game of life. They live the game or they live life, right? So they're not playing a game. It's not make-believe. They know who they are. They have an incredible conversation with God every day, and they walk with him. And that's why I think when you look in the Bible uh, and even throughout history, there's just very few people that we look at as sages or uh, disciples, apostles, because these individuals walked with God. And I honestly think when you walk with God on a daily basis, when you stop acting like somebody and you start looking for your calling, you will be put in the into the uh, avenue that you're supposed to be going down. And as a man, that means that you are going to have command presence when you walk in somewhere. You're not. You're going to have a firm understanding of who you are, and you will put yourself in a position that, regardless of whether you're employed as a leader or you're in a a, a home with a wife and kids, you will be uh, by um, just by uh, following God. You will be a leader. And that, I that's, think that's really what it comes down to. I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but what I'm hearing, and, and it's new to our, 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 you know, our show here. We've had so many guests from Delta Force founders, you, you name it, to Victor Davis Hanson and so forth. What you're saying is manliness is a function of whether you are prepared to do the will of God. That's what I believe. Wow. I love that. Yes. I love that. All right. Um, next, in your journey to being the man you are today? This is, what, this is my favorite question. Give us an example of what the biggest influences were on your understanding of manhood. For some, it's their father. For many, for you, you said he wasn't in the picture from, from very early on. For others, it's fictional characters, heroes they read about in books. For others, it was you know their, their training sergeant. Who helped Jonathan Gillum understand what it is to be a man? Well, I think first and foremost, like we just said, it's God. God has always been there with me. I remember six years old having conversations with him while I was picking blackberries in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and But my mom, my mom set that foundation. She's the one who um, instilled in me that I am important, that I have the ability to do these things, that I must believe in myself. So she set that foundation uh, for me not to be discouraged. And when things that were hard came, uh, hard times, uh, difficult issues, that I was to face those things and continue to be the best that I can be with faith in God. So that plus along the way, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm a loner. I do most of the things that I do alone. And uh, God knows that. And so he introduced along the way mentors to me that I can go back and look and say, man, this person really changed who I was by their actions. Um, And so whether it's my drill instructor, uh, uh, John Crouch from Officer Candidate School, Ron Bellin, who was uh, this giant of a man who was a SEAL when I was in the teams, um, uh, Dr. Wally Grand who is just, uh, he was an incredible neurosurgeon. All these different individuals came into my life and uh, helped me understand what it means to be the best and not uh, an actor. Who I am and understanding who I am and being the best of that. So I think along the way, those things, plus I will tell you, Sebastian, strive for the hard times. That's why I do ice baths every now and then because when you're engulfed in, in the difficult uh, journey of life, that is where you learn. 
and I will be learning until the day I die. And I think also that is uh, the sign of a man, not only that you follow God, but that you are learning and realize you're going to die and still be in a position to learn. You're not going to know everything when you when you die. You're going to still be in a position as a student when you die. Uh, <laughs> he says he's a loner. That's another reason I think I like this guy. <laughs> my my family thinks uh, my attitude is not just being a loner. I just think uh, other human beings are highly overrated. No, I, you know, I've got two good <laughs> friends and that's enough for me and a lot of people are overrated. But yes, this idea of being not being fake, I think, is crucial. I think that's what you're talking about. Uh, all right, um, Jonathan. And we, we've always we've always talked about that. You know, that's one of my biggest beefs when it comes to media and social media and all this stuff is that people portray something that they're not. And that's why I think we did meet. And I think that's why we did click is because when I talk to you, I don't see somebody who is fake. I mean, you have this uh, very um, uh, aristocratic, educated voice, but you're a real deal. You know, you are the real deal. And it's not fake. You're the way you talk is not fake when I see you when you're not on radio and TV. The person that you are and how you think, that's who you are when you're not on radio and TV. And I think I'm the same way. I'm not fake. This is who I am, is who you're going to meet when you meet me. And I think that's probably one of the things that definitely has, uh, and our conversations have helped me uh, throughout my career as well. Yeah, no, I, the, I, there's... Um... There's nothing fake about you, Jonathan. And uh, if you want to have fun with this guy, go to Vegas around SHOT Show and you'll have some fun with him. Um, and and <laughs> I love it when I get these trolls who sometimes you know DM me and put comments and say, and your stupid accent. Uh, you, think, you think I'm actually trying to talk like this? I was, <laughs> I was born in England, dude, okay? I'm a naturalized citizen of the U.S. That's why I have this mishmash. But, yeah, this is, this is who I am. Take it or leave it. And I much prefer to hang out with real Americans at the gun show uh, every month than do anything else. All right, we're talking to Jonathan Gillum. The book is Sheep No More. Follow him. Oh, let's talk about the subtitle, The Art of Awareness and Attack Survival, forward by Sean Hannity. Follow him right now at jgilliam underscore seal. That's J Gilliam underscore seal. This is America First coming to you from the relieffactor.com studios. Relief Factor, pain relief that works, pain relief that's real, pain relief that is liberating. Half a million Americans right now, me included. But it's not just me. It's people like Leah from Ohio. This is Leah's story. One Sunday morning, I sat on my couch in so much pain I was in tears. That's the day I ordered Relief Factor. Following directions in eight days, I found relief only to get better and better. I'm a believer 100%. What a story. That should be you. That could be you, but there's only one way to find out. It's super easy. Order the three-week quick starter pack for just $19.95. It'll be at your door in three days or less. Take it morning and evening like I do. And I promise you, Dr. G's guarantee, by the end of those three weeks, you will know whether it works for you like it works for me, Leah, and half a million of your fellow Americans. Call them now. 800-500-8384. ReliefFactor.com. ReliefFactor.com. Optimistic or pessimistic about the future? You look at the parents rising up at the school board meetings. It's cool, but it's not a lot of people. Uh, what do you think about the future in this, in this war for the truth? Well, first of all, I think it started with an apple, and it started in the Garden of Eden. And what you see is everything that God creates and the, is, revolves around humans and uh, this structure in which we've been talking about where uh, the walk with God and humans being the best they can be. And I think the further in time and space that we're going to be, you're going to start to see, because now we have the ability to speak one language or, or all people have the ability to, to speak and travel wherever they want to go. What you're going to see is is what was occurring when God tore down the Tower of Babel, which is, uh, it, it was very difficult for Satan and his entities to control massive amounts of people who spoke other languages. Now everybody has the ability to communicate, the ability to travel. And so what happens is 
the uh, the focus on getting rid of your your gender, your sexuality, uh, and bringing everybody into this one position uh, based on conflict, which is what Marx talked about and what communism uses and Satan uses this is they create chaos and then they try to through that chaos. Uh, take the cream and get that away and then take these people who can be controlled and that's what they will use. And so that's why not having a, a, a gender, not uh, identifying yourself by being the best, um, that's why this is so important because it all comes down to control. The only way to stop this, Sebastian, is if the, we do what the founding fathers intended us to do, which is stand as a people. This nation is the only one that can make that occur. Yeah. And it's not looking good. It's not looking good because we can't get the people to unite the way they should. It's not an accident that he's not simply the prince of darkness. He is also the prince of confusion and chaos. We have to come together and stop him. Well, this has been amazing, Jonathan. I've got a little bit of a more insight into my buddy. Super, super fun. Can't wait to see you next time. So much that we left off the table that we can... Can I say one thing? Yeah. So the frog. I was going to tell you oh, about the frog. The frog. Yeah, he's got he's got this beautiful velvet, massive frog behind him. I'm not sure which SEAL team the frog is a member of, but tell me about it. So a good friend of mine, uh, several years ago, her daughter was 18 years old, was killed in a car crash, and she this was her her favorite uh, stuffed toy, and she asked me if I would take uh, Kay- Kaylee Frog with me wherever I go so that she could see the world. So everywhere I go. Kaylee Frog is there. She's been on stages with me. Um, she's been all over the place. And, and so I figured I'd introduce her to the world now what? on your uh, show about masculinity. What was that young woman's name that we lost? Her name was Kaylee. All right. We're going to pray for Kaylee's soul. Hey, Kaylee the Frog, a very well-traveled frog with a frog man. God bless you. I'm Sebastian Gorka. You've been listening to the Manhood Hour. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, keep your head on a swivel. Watch your six. Hold the line. Never give up. Never give in. And stay frosty. this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal i know not what course others may take but as for me give me liberty or give me death the world will little note or long remember what we say here but it can never forget what they did here What your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. I can hear you, the rest of the world hears you, and the people... And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. And we will make America great again. This is America First with Sebastian Gorka. It was unprovoked, but this is what Russian President Vladimir Putin unleashed on Ukraine. As the sun came up this morning, a missile striking an industrial park in western Ukraine. A helicopter assault on an airport outside of Kiev. Close, intense fighting. And there are civilian casualties. Local officials say this apartment building was struck in eastern Ukraine. Heartbreaking images of people, bloodied, staggering out of their homes. Those were the news reports from exactly a year ago today when the invasion of Ukraine began for the second time. Yes, the second time. Remember when somebody called Barack Obama was president of the United States Russia invaded under Putin then and took the whole of Crimea.
I'm Sebastian Gorka. This is America First on the Salem News Channel. The invasion began on the dawn of the 24th of February with infantry divisions and armored and air support in eastern Ukraine and dozens, dozens of missile strikes across both eastern Ukraine and western Ukraine. Just to underscore the fact this isn't about ethnic Russian minorities. They were shelling everyone everywhere. The initial fighting took place in Luhansk Oblast, the Luhansk county or region, if you will, on the border with Russia at 3.40 Kiev time. The main infantry and tank invasion was launched in four spearheads, creating a northern front launched towards Kiev, the capital again, reinforcing the fact this isn't about protecting ethnic Russian minorities in the east. This is about taking back the whole of Ukraine. Dozens and dozens of missile strikes as far west as Lviv. In the 12 months since that occurred, Russia has been involved in the shelling of not only apartment blocks and hospitals, maternity clinics, but also war crimes. There has been documented evidence. You can see the film footage if you have the stomach to do so of mass graves being found, not of Ukrainian soldiers, but of civilians, of families, in some cases the mother, the father, and the children, wired together, shot and dumped into a grave. Now, if this horrifies you, I would say, You need to open a book. You need to look at what Russia has done, not only to other countries since the times of the Tsar, but to their own people. If you find it strange that there are reports of civilians being murdered in mass numbers in a country that... Vladimir Putin says we are just protecting our fellow Russian brethren, then you need to look at what was done in Ukraine, for example, in the 1930s, when it was part involuntarily of the Soviet Union. When the then leader, the then general secretary of the Soviet Union, Stalin, literally starved to death between six and eight million Ukrainians. Because, well, just because they were kulaks, they were undesirables, they were déclassé, they were farmers who had a plot of land. And it's not just people in other countries. Look at the 20th century, for example. Look at the nation of... My heritage, Hungary, invaded in 1956 by Russian forces, forces from other Warsaw Pact states because the Hungarians dared to reject communism. Look at what happened in Czechoslovakia in 1968. Look at what happened in Poland with the support of Moscow, the imposition of martial law. But look at what Russia did to its own people the gulags, the political prisons, the KGB disappearances at nighttime. You said the wrong thing. You made the wrong joke about the gerontocracy running the country and that 3 a.m. ring on the doorbell, the disappearance of your family, the disappearance of a loved one, either into a labor camp in Siberia or just never to be heard again. This isn't about the Russian people's crimes, because it is always the crimes of the people running the country, whether it is the Tsar, 
whether it is the Politburo of the Communist Party, or whether it is a man, Vladimir Putin, who was a willing servant of communism. He didn't have to join the KGB. He didn't have to join the State Committee for Security to persecute his fellow Russians. He did so willingly. If you want to look at how he became president, just look up one thing. Look up David Satter's research and articles on the Moscow apartment bombings. How it is now demonstrable that under the leadership of that man, Russians were targeted for death in apartment bombings blamed on Chechen terrorists, but which in fact were executed by Russia's own security services just before an election to make Putin look tough, to make Russians afraid of somebody else, and to make sure that he could be in power not just for four years or eight years, but for the last 21 years. A man who has said repeatedly in those two decades that independent nations like Ukraine, like Poland, like the Baltic states of Lithuania, Latvia, and Estonia have no right to independence, are illegitimate, and should be, should be subsumed back into the motherland, the Rodina. This man has stated the greatest geopolitical tragedy. He used the word tragedy of the 20th century was the loss of the Soviet Union, a regime that was a meat grinder for its own citizens and anyone in the near vicinity of the Soviet Union who dared, dared to resist. So today, as an American by choice, whose parents suffered under communism at the hands of the secret police, I, for one, as a conservative, salute the people of the Ukraine. Not corrupt politicians, not the people they bought off in Washington, D.C., around our administration, but the young men and women who are fighting for survival, for the independence of our country, just as a handful of brave men did here all those many years ago. The spirit of 1776 is alive, at least, in one nation of Europe. I'm Sebastian Gorka. This is America First. We have a very, very full program for you today. Make sure that you never, ever miss any of our deep dives, especially on special days like this. Please go to your favorite podcast platform. Go to Spotify. Go to Apple Podcasts, whatever it is. Plug in my name, Sebastian Gawker, America First. It's absolutely free. Leave us a five-star review and share the links with your friends. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.